Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, we're going to get into a series. We're going to jump back to 1 Thessalonians. If you have been with us for a while, you know that we've been in this book for a little while. But I will tell you this, we're starting to get to the really, I like to, I like to say, exciting part of this book. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about end times, which if you guys enjoy end times theology, you are going to enjoy these next few weeks here. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be teaching out of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians here. And so um, I am excited about this. It is interesting because end times is one of those subjects that sometimes people get really excited about. I don't know if any of you have ever desired to be studying end times within Scripture, but it is one of those topics that people get excited about. We become curious about here. I remember when I first came to, to Christ, I remember going to a Bible study, and it, in end times, it is fascinating. It can be exciting, but especially these days. I think, I think in 2021, I think the uh, fascination and curiosity about end times is kind of picking up again. And I think, you know, that's kind of partially because of what our world has been going through for the last 18 months. I don't know if you recognize this or see this, but in the last 18 months, our world has changed. Things have taken place, events have happened, and it has affected every, every fabric of our lives in the last 18 months. I was talking to my dad, uh, who is 72, and he even said, he said he's never seen times like this in his lifetime. And we know that seasons come and seasons go, but I do think that in the midst of COVID and all that has, has taken place within our nation, but also within nations of the world, there are many people kind of wondering, are we near the end? And the good news is, is you are one day closer to the end. I don't know if you, if, if you know that. Like every day that happens, we are one day closer to the end. But as I was thinking about end times, I, I thought about putting on some sort of tinfoil hat and uh, getting a bunch of charts up here, and I was going to have like a PowerPoint, and I was going to make a bunch of predictions for you guys. I thought maybe we could like set a date, set a time, you know, maybe we could really get this end time stuff figured out. I decided not to do that. However, uh, throughout history, mankind has been very curious about end times. Uh, it is one, like what I said, it's one of those topics that, that can really grab our attention, especially when, when uh, events are taking place around us. Well, in 1988, if, if you were around during that time, I was, I was alive, but I was only six. Uh, in 1988, a book came out by the title, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Take Place in 1988. Um, it's interesting. This book you can still buy on Amazon. <laughs> still selling. Uh, tw 33 years late. But anyways, on Amazon, there was a review that I thought was interesting, that there is people out there writing reviews about the book that predicted the rapture, the end times, would be coming in 1988. And this one review... Uh, talked about this book. His name's Jason. 
He gave the book five out of five stars. He really enjoyed this book. And the title of this book, or the title of this review was, Belief in this book equals marriage. And this is what he said. He said, the writer of this book, Edgar, visited my church when I was 21 years old to talk about 88 reasons why Christ will return in 1988. He said, I believed every word of it because my pastor believed it. As a matter of fact, belief in this book compelled my then-girlfriend and I to marry much earlier than we originally had intended. We were taught that, that what is bound together on earth will be bound together in heaven, so we had to get married so we would be together when the rapture takes place. After several, and then he goes on and he says, uh, when the date came and passed, and it rolled over to 1989, he said, I remembered being a lot of confusion and anger in the church. And we ended up leaving. After several years of exploring other religions, he ended up rejecting Christianity, he said, altogether. Not saying this book caused me to become an atheist, but it was a major catalyst for me to start thinking for myself about religious issues. In light of, of that, and the novelty value now, I give it five stars. And he said, oh, we celebrated 25 years of marriage. And I, sh- I share this with you because the fascination and the curiosity of end times, it can become, I, w- I would almost say, borderline dangerous. Because there are things of the Bible that God has made clear and plain, and there are things of the Bible that are a mystery. And oftentimes when people can get caught up, and I think we're, we can be all susceptible to this, when you get caught up, and focused and spend all of your energy and time and effort on the mysterious things of God. You can miss the plain things of God. And so I share that with you just in light of us talking about end times. Now, does that mean we should not study it? No. Does that mean that we should not be be looking into it and reading about it and thinking about it? No. But I would say as we look, especially through Thessalonians, I would encourage us, and I will today, for us to stay focused on the major things. Because when you look into end times within Scripture, it can become very confusing. And oftentimes, you will have more questions than you do answers. But today, I want us to see some of the answers, because I do think it will be an exciting time. And Paul is writing to a church that has questions about the end. So if you can turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to pick up in verses 13 through 18, and please stand with me this morning as we, we read here 1 Thessalonians. So this is Paul writing to the Thessalonians, and the Word of God says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as, as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. 
For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. Let's pray. Father, as we, as we seek you this morning, Lord, as we, as we look to your word, as we look to you, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come and bring us encouragement this morning. Father, we trust you for the work of your Holy Spirit upon our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. I want to give you a little bit of background to what is happening in these verses. When Paul wrote this book to the Thessalonians, and I've said this multiple times over the last several weeks, we need to remember when Paul was there. Paul had visited these people. He'd gone to these people for three weeks. The book of Acts chapter 17 gives you the entire account. And when Paul was with them for those three weeks, Paul's theology, Paul's, Paul wanted to make sure that every church he visited and talked to and preached the gospel to, he would talk with them about the end times. And it's interesting, that was part of Paul's theology wherever he went. He would talk to them about Christ is coming. That Christ did come, he would, he would simply share with them the gospel message that, that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. But there is hope because guess what? He's coming back for his church. And the Thessalonians, they deeply believed in Jesus' second coming. They were waiting. They were expecting. They could not wait for Jesus to return. But in the midst of their waiting, they had a question. Because there was people in their church that started dying. Because all of us are going to die. And that church was like no other. They had people who died. They passed away. And they had a burning question. Okay, well, if Jesus is coming, and he is, but these people are dead. What about these people? And they were concerned about this. They were like, they, they're going to miss Jesus coming. They, they literally thought, if you died before Jesus returned, when Jesus came, it was like Jesus forgot about you. And, and you could see why they would have some serious questions. So Paul's writing to them. Paul is basically addressing this issue here because they were concerned about it. Look at verse, verse uh, 14 here. Or sorry, 13. Paul says this, but we do not want you to be uninformed because they were uninformed. They had some some of these thoughts that, that, that you could really understand how they actually got there, church. And, and, you know, I think that sometimes us who are like 2,000 years past, when we look back to these early Christians, it's really easy for us to kind of be like, well, yeah, like how could they possibly miss this? But you have to remember, they did not have all of Scripture. They didn't have 
all of the New Testament. So there, there was confusion. So, so when Paul writes to him, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. I love how Paul puts this here. For those who have fallen asleep. What a nice way to put it. What a nice way to talk about death. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who are simply sleeping. They have fallen asleep. And Paul goes on, and uh, in verse 15, he wants to bring them encouragement. He says, we do not grieve, in verse 13, as the world grieves, because they have no hope. But in verse 15, sorry, 14, he says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. The reason why the church does not have to grieve, why men and women who follow Christ do not have to grieve about loved ones passing on, because Paul makes it very clear, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. In verse 14, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Paul's writing this to him as an encouragement. He's saying, listen, you have loved ones. They have fallen asleep. They have passed away. We don't grieve how everyone else grieves. Do not worry. Jesus has not forgotten about them. That Jesus is isn't just like, well, if they're already dead when I come, we're just going to leave them behind. He says, no, Jesus is going to bring them with. You have hope because you believe in Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection here. And then Paul makes this very, very clear to them. Verse 15. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. I love those words right there. We declare to you. This is not a mystery. This is not, well, this might happen. Paul says, I declare to you by the word of the Lord. You can take this to the bank. It's a guarantee. I declare to you that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. He's he's basically encouraging them, saying, listen, Jesus has them. He's going to be with them all. Thank thank you there, Chris. There's one person here who loves me. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. My wife, yes, very, very true. Well, guys, I want us to spend some time looking at what is about to happen. And I, I, we are starting to venture into some of the end times events here, verses 16, 17, and 18 here. And I want us to be encouraged and to be looking at these this morning because Paul makes this very, very clear. Listen, Jesus has not forgotten about your dead loved ones. They have fallen asleep. Don't worry about them. Jesus has not forgotten about him. 
And then Paul goes on to talk about what the end time is going to look like here. And this is where I think it starts to get exciting and a little bit nerve-wracking. So, so, so let's look at verses 16 through 18 here. Paul says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Verse 18, Therefore encourage one another with these, with these words. I want us to kind of get this image here. I want us to really visualize what Paul is sharing. And I don't want us to add anything to it or take anything away from these verses. I want us just to really visualize what is about to take place when Jesus returns. He says this, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with the command or with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. I don't know what it will look like. We know that Jesus is coming. Scripture makes that clear. He will descend from heaven. There will be a cry of command with the voice of an archangel. And there will be a trumpet of God. I'm going to ask Garrett to play his trumpet real quick. And, uh, and I thought this is a good visual here for us to visualize what's about to be taking place. So let me read one more time. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Jesus is going to come. With a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel. I don't know what an archangel sounds like. I do not know what he will be saying. But then it says, with the sound of the trumpet of God. That's a good one, Garrett. I like that. And it says this, And we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. It's funny, there are some scholars and theologians that say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this is a secret rapture of the church. And uh, through my readings and through my studying, I found that to be kind of funny. Why would you call this a secret rapture? Nothing about these verses sounds secret, right? Jesus coming, an archangel commanding, trumpet sounding, this all sounds not secret. So um, if you had believed coming in here today that there is a secret rapture in 1 Thessalonians, um, I don't see that. I see that when Jesus comes, there's going to be this command. There's going to be some words shared. There's going to be a trumpet sound. And then it starts to get and, and, you know, like, as I was reading this, I had actually more questions. But see, this is, God doesn't always give us all the answers. I had, like, many questions, like, what will this archangel say? 
What's the command? What kind of trumpet sound? Is it going to be like in, in C, in G? Is it going to be in like a, a, a chord or note that we know? Or is this a heavenly sound that we've never even heard before? And I had all of these questions, but Jesus doesn't give us all of the details. He says this, the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, once again, what will that look like? Think about this. The dead in Christ, all the saints, all the believers that have ever lived before Christ comes will rise. We get this image here. What are they going to look like, right? Like, do we just have like, you know, like grave sites, people just coming up? and just rising up, like there, there is a lot of questions there. But Paul gives us this image, though. He says the dead are going to rise, and then we who are left, we who are still living and breathing when Christ comes, we, we like take off, which actually makes me extremely nervous because I'm scared of heights. <laughs> and, and you guys laugh about that, but as I've, as I've thought about this, it actually, I'm like, I'm like, I get nervous watching YouTube videos of people standing on, like, ledges, right? And I'm like, so, like, what happened to gravity? Are, are we going to have, like, wings all of a sudden? Like, like there's so many questions. But Paul is making things clear to us and saying, listen, your loved ones who have passed, you don't have to worry about them. If they love Christ, God has not forgotten about them. They're going to rise, and then we're going to rise, and we're going to meet Jesus in the air. And it's this beautiful picture. It's a scary picture. But God gives us some details here that I think are a serious encouragement to us. As you think about the end, as you think about Christ coming, some people get nervous. Some people are like, ah, I don't know what kind of day that will be. What will all take place? But look at verse 17. So we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then look at these next words. So we will always be with the Lord. Whether you are dead or still alive, we will always be with the Lord. That no matter what takes place, no matter what events happen, we don't know exactly how this all plays out, but regardless of how things play out, regardless of what is happening in our lives, regardless of any circumstance around you, Paul wants the church to know, you will always be with the Lord. Regardless of death, regardless of still living, regardless of everything around us, he is giving us this encouragement that no matter what takes place, no matter what events unfold, you will always be with the Lord. To me, I think that is some of the greatest encouragements we can give. Because in the times we are living, we have no idea what's going to happen next. We don't know where our economy is going. We don't know, like any of the world events... Everything seems to be on edge right now. But we, who believe in Jesus' death and resurrection, will always be with him. I have to turn to Romans 8 and read nine verses to you. 
Because Paul wrote Thessalonians, and they believe that was one of his first letters. But Paul's going to give us another clear picture. This is 8, starting in verse 31. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for, for us all, will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is, is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, verse 36, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's word makes it very clear. Jesus is coming. That's a fact. When is he coming? Man does not know the exact time or, or date of when that will take place. But he is coming. But the beauty of his return, of him coming, I believe, church, that we should be excited. We should be expecting. We should be waiting patiently, saying, Jesus, come. And we don't know all the tribulation and all, all the things that God's word gives us glimpses to. It sounds like it's going to be an incredible day. But the fact of the matter, and Paul wants his church and his people to know this fact so clearly that no matter what takes place, we will always be with Christ. To me, that is the encouragement. And this is why in verse 18, Paul says this, Therefore, encourage one another with these words, church. And I want to bring encouragement to you this day. I realize the times and the seasons we are living in seem absolutely crazy. And I don't know if Christ is coming tomorrow. I pray every day that he does. But when he comes, you will be with him. You who have faith in his son Jesus, who died on that cross and rose again for our sins, and if you have believed in him, nothing separates us from him. No tribulation, no world problems, no world issues can separate us from him. And church, I want you to be encouraged with God's word today because I have been encouraged all week studying this and thinking about this, just thinking about, Lord, I don't know what the end times will all look like. I don't, we see these glimpses. We know that you are coming. We see the dead rising. I go up there with you. I meet you. But the fact of the matter is, is we're always with him. He's always with his children. He doesn't abandon his kids. You are his. 
Not based on, on your great effort. It is based on the grace that God has given to mankind. And Scripture teaches very, very clearly, it is by grace through faith in His Son, Jesus. And if you have faith in His Son, Jesus, you're secure in Him. You're with Him. When He comes, you're with Him. And I want to just encourage you, church family, today, is that you will be with Him. I know that this world around us seems to be in just chaos. And there seems to be so many issues and so many struggles. And it can be overwhelming thinking about all of these problems. And partially it's because we live in, like, in just like an a, a like information overload season. You know, we have information just coming at us 24-7. It's like, this is falling apart. This is falling apart. Jesus will always be with you. Whether you die on this side, which you will, you'll be with him. Or whether we get to make it until he comes, we'll be with him. I want you to stand and, and I want to pray for us this morning. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and, and to lead us in a glorious day, which I think is extremely fitting. But as they come, let me pray for us and let me pray encouragement over us this morning, church family. Father, you make promises in your word. Lord, you declared to your church then and you declare to your church now. You never leave us, Lord. You do not abandon us. Father, I thank you that we are in you. Father, I pray for, for my brothers and sisters in this room right now. Lord, many who, who might be struggling with their walk with you with everything that is taking place. Lord, remind them that you are with them. Father, we give you praise this morning. I thank you for your encouraging word. And Father, as we declare these words to you now, continue to speak to our hearts and speak to our minds. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.